All right, everybody, welcome to the Whole Church Podcast. And the Traveling Stories Podcast. Yeah, we are really excited for today's episode. It's a crossover, so you get an episode that's both podcasts at the same time. Um, we are here with Pastor Bobby Winburn, who is the, I believe he's the head pastor at Restoration Chapel, which is an upstate South Carolina church of God of Prophecy, right? That's correct, yes. Awesome. Make sure I had that right. As well as the host of the Traveling Stories Podcast. Um, yeah, and of course, I'm Joshua Knoll, one of your hosts. Uh, your other host is also here. It's a Mr. or Dr., if you prefer, Tiberius Wan. But remember, uh-huh. it's doctor without PhD or any credentials, just no. like a casual it's, nickname kind of thing. It's yeah. my first, first name. Yeah, it's Dr. Tiberius Wan, but doctor is yeah. just part of the name. Yeah. Yeah, it's or, you know, DTJ for short. Uh-huh. Awesome stuff, guys. Um. Yeah, so we're going to be talking to Pastor Rob Wimburn about his podcast, the Traveling Stories podcast, as well as um, we're going to basically go through what they do in each episode, and we're going to ask him some of the, our questions about, you know, how he thinks we could better church unity, kind of our whole gig here with the whole church podcast. So uh, really excited to kind of jump in there. Um, yeah. Uh, Pastor Bobby, what are you, um, what are you planning to talk about today? Well, we were talking about, uh, we like to, at the Traveling Stories podcast, we just like talking about the story of uh, people's lives and how they came to know Jesus and how Jesus is working through their lives. So we're hoping that we can get uh, both of your stories and so that we can hear stories and that we can allow other people to go tell their stories that they won't be afraid to tell their stories. Yeah, it's kind of, um, what's, you, know, you use the, um, I, I don't know if you would say it was your mission verse or anything but it's uh you use the verse from revelation though it's by the power of the your word and the testimony right that's correct that's correct yes sir. Blood and the testimony i was trying to think word didn't sound right that we're more we're overcomers by the word of our testimony and uh in the uh, the blood of the lamb yes sir awesome what's uh what verse is that if anybody wanted to look it up Look, you, if you wouldn't have asked me, I could have told you, but right now, <laughs> put me on the I know spot. it's a revelation. Just start reading yeah. from the beginning. You'll find yeah. <laughs> It's not that long. You, yeah. You'll get there. <laughs> awesome. So one thing me and TJ, or TJ and I started recently, was the our greeting card segment. So what I'm going to do is I have just a few note cards here. I'm going to shuffle through, and if it lands on one of our two gold cards, you have to answer, and then we'll do it again so for you to answer the next one. If it doesn't land on a gold card, you'll just have to tell us whatever's on the card. Uh, the one I'm looking at right now says the most interesting thing about yourself. So, you know, whenever I shuffle, you'll tell me stop, and we'll just see what card it's on. Um, and since this is going to be on both podcasts, I think this time TJ and I will also answer. That way, those who are part of the audience of the Traveling Stories podcast who might not know us as well can kind of get to know us too. Does that sound fair to everybody? That sounds great. Awesome. So I'll start well. shuffling, and Bobby can tell me when. Stop. All right. It's not a gold card. Just uh, let us know. What is your favorite movie? Huh. Well, I'm a, I'm a huge Batman fan. So um, I like uh, The Dark Knight. I think that's probably my favorite movie. That's a good one. That's a good choice. Yeah. Uh, TG, you, you want to go? Hey, you can go. Yeah. So mine, mine does like a three-way tie. So it just depends on when you ask me. Um, right now, I'm going to say Star Wars A New Hope. 
if you ask me some other time, I might say Captain America, the Winter Soldier, and I might say Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. It's always one of those three. All nerd stuff, basically. All right, TJ, favorite movie? Um, Yeah, I'm going to have to say Treasure Planet. Uh, (laughs) Such a good one. Great movie. Yeah, you you talk about it a lot. It makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. If we weren't doing nerd stuff, I would say Kingdom of Heaven. It's a really good movie. Well, honestly, uh, Treasure Planet's probably the movie I watch the most, but my favorite movie is probably Jack and the Cuckoo Clock Heart. <laughs> but, yeah, that's that's like a French animated thing. It's it's a good movie. Is that anyway, where the songs come from? Yeah. Sweet. Anyway, uh, thanks for answering, Bobby. Yeah, you had a good choice. <laughs> Great but, movie. Uh, as always, there are many ways that you can all help us keep improving what we do here. Uh, you can, of course, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Uh, you can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Our Heart Radio, Anchor, uh, wherever you listen to your podcast or any app that you might find on your devices that allows you to subscribe to podcasts. You know, just just press the button. It's not that hard. Uh, you can email us at thewholechurch at gmail.com to ask us about more specific needs that you may be able to contribute to. Uh, Of course, the best and easiest ways to help are by giving us a five-star review wherever you listen, uh, supporting us on Patreon, or sharing this episode on your own social media accounts. Especially that last one. That one is extremely helpful and probably the easiest. The easiest thing to do and also might be the most helpful, honestly. Wink nudge. Yeah. Uh, Bobby, is there anything that our the listeners could do to help support your podcast better? Well, we would love for some of the whole uh, church podcast to come over and listen to uh, Traveling Stories. We're on all those uh, platforms also, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Uh, uh, you just go down the list. We're there. Also, we go on every Wednesday night. Um, a lot of times we do video with our podcast, so you can go to Restoration Chapel on Facebook page or on YouTube page and find all the past um, traveling stories and all the new ones. Every Wednesday we put out a new one at six o'clock. So before, while you're getting ready for church on Wednesday night, if you're having church right now, um, then you can uh, watch it as you're getting ready. So. Awesome. Well, that's a good idea. I might have to, I might have to start doing that. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. So uh, Pastor Bobby, one thing we always do at the beginning of our episodes to kind of you know, ease the mood, I guess, is that we like to ask our guests and each other, because, you know, we started doing where we don't tell the other hosts what the silly question is, which kind of makes it more fun. We like to start with a silly question. So uh, today, I have a silly question for everybody. It's, it's kind of a simple one, you know, so that we, we don't take up too much time, because we've got a lot to cover today, right? That's right. Um, today's silly question is just, uh, what is your favorite traffic sign? And I'll, I'll go first. I um well first I'll tell you my wife's answer. My wife is also uh, sort of my personal chauffeur, so naturally her answer was any speed limit sign above seventy. Well, Arizona, everything was seventy-five. It was crazy. Mm. Yeah, but um, myself. They do that a lot in Georgia. For myself, and I, I got to tell you, I, I didn't think of this question because of the answer just so happens that I ended up having a really good answer that I forgot about. Whenever my family went to Lake Tahoe, 
one place we were driving had a bear crossing sign and we kept driving. Then there was a bears crossing sign, like plural. And at first, you know, I was like, okay, whatever. And a little bit further, this is my favorite traffic sign I've ever seen. It was a one of the like yellow diamond warning signs that says warning. And then it said, no, seriously, there are a lot of bears. <laughs> that was just my favorite. Then it's time to turn around, right? Yeah, pretty, yeah. pretty much. Yeah. That, that's no, for real, there are so many bears this way. <laughs> There's a lot. <laughs> it is a legitimate problem, we promise. Yeah. Uh, so, TJ, what is your favorite traffic sign? Yeah. Uh, so, you guys ever been up to Gatlinburg? Naturally, yeah. Yeah. Yes. So, you know, on the way to Gatlinburg, you'll see a few signs uh, that say, warning, falling rocks. Yeah. I yeah. love those signs. Really? They're hilarious to me. Because... <laughs> Why? Yeah, you can warn me about the falling rocks. What am I supposed to do about it? <laughs> yeah, that's true. Because <laughs> like on, on, on the sign, the rocks are falling onto the car. Yeah. <laughs> what do I do about that? Like, thanks for telling me it might happen. And now but... you can't see the stage. I told you it, it was a possibility. <laughs> yeah. That, that's why you do this. That, yeah, but yeah, that's my favorite. <laughs> Nice. All right, uh, Pastor Bobby, do you have a favorite traffic sign? One that trips me out all the time is a dead end sign. Why in the world would you call it dead end? Just, I mean, that just makes me want to go down it even farther to see what's at the end of it. Yeah. Like, where does it end? Yeah. <laughs> so, Why does it end? So many questions. Who died? When they do a dead end sign, and it's like right before the road clearly ends. Like yeah. at this point, <laughs> yeah. I know. Like, <laughs> Like at the end of a neighborhood when yeah. it ends in one of those steel railings and it has a dead end sign? Yes. Like a, yeah. yeah. Duh. <laughs> Funny stuff. That's Funny good. Stuff. Good choice. And who in the world would come up with saying, hey, that's the dead end? Why can't you just say it's the end? Yeah. Road ends. That's all you yeah. had to say. Yeah. Dead end just makes it scarier. <laughs> <laughs> like unnecessarily so. <laughs> Funny stuff. But yeah. So that's our uh, silly question. All right. All right. Uh, Pastor Bobby? Yeah. So, on, as I said earlier on the traveling podcast or the traveling stories podcast, we uh, always started off by asking a simple question, and that is How was your life before Jesus? How did you meet Jesus? And how did it change you after Jesus? And I say that's a simple question, but a lot of people don't, um, can't tell their testimony because they're afraid of how it was beforehand or they're afraid that it's not good enough. And I've come to find out over the last couple months as we've done this podcast that everybody has a story. It's just getting it out of them. Um, so with that being said, um, I'll start with Joshua. Can you tell me how life was before uh, you uh, met Jesus? I really can't. <laughs> That's an awful answer. But uh, see, when I think about my testimony, there are really three main events come to mind. And one of them, it's one of those, like, you know how you have those childhood memories that are so far back, you just kind of, the memory's almost isolated? Yes. It's like that. Like, I could tell you, what's funny, I could tell you where the church was. It was in Alexandria, Virginia, right outside D.C. I think I had to be, like, four or five years old. But I still remember it. I remember it being a very spiritual, spiritually effective 
moment, if that makes sense. Yes. Um, I remember being impacted by a kid. I remember it being a woman teacher. What's crazy is I remember she's married to a guy named Eric, but I do not remember her name. <laughs> but I remember she said something. And I remember as a kid feeling saddened by it and deciding, okay, I'm going to repeat after her and say this prayer. And I could not tell you what life was like before that. But I do remember that really specific event as a kid. Now, afterwards, did you, uh, to, like, were you so excited you told everybody that, hey, my life has been changed? Um, or did you quite understand how that was yet? I don't think I quite understood at that point. So, like I said, there's three main events that I remember that I would say, you know, I don't know if I would say saving events because, you know, you get saved once and then I believe God continued to work on you. Um, yes. I don't remember what the Greek word is, but a lot of times in the New Testament, the word for salvation is something that happened and continues to happen. So I'm saved, but God's also still working on me, right? That's right. I remember when we lived in Florida. So it was still before I was 10 years old. I want to say I was like eight or nine. We went to an Assemblies of God. They had a kind of a kids conference. And I remember thinking it was weird and not wanting to participate because at the end of the service, the pastor had three like lines of tape that he put in front of the altar, right? Yeah. So the first line was for people to come and pray about salvation. The second was for people to come to pray about sanctification. And the last one was the Holy Spirit. And I stayed back and did not want to have anything to do with it because I thought it was weird. As an eight or nine-year-old, you know, I didn't understand. Yeah. And then I got bored. Honestly, I just got bored. So I went to the second tape to pray because I didn't want anyone to think I wasn't saved because I was saved. So I was like, yeah, whatever sanctification is, I'll just sit here and pray. And eventually a pastor came over to me and he taught me through sanctification and I prayed there. And then I was like, oh, I'm going to go to the other line. And then I prayed there and I was filled with the Holy Spirit. And uh, for me, I did speak in tongues that day. You know, um, I know a lot of people don't think baptism of the Holy Ghost necessarily means it's evidenced by the speaking in tongues. And I don't think it happens every time and I don't think it happens for everybody. But for me, that's what the event was like. Yeah. Um, I speak spoken tongues then. I still do now. And I remember after that event, I did want to tell everybody. And you know, I was very, you know, people would say, I guess, annoying about it. I wanted everybody to believe in Jesus and to believe the right way and to feel what I felt that day. Kind of has a, um, like that disciple, you know, where Peter and them denies Christ three times, but goes in the upper room, and when they're baptized with the Holy Ghost, then he begins to speak boldly about Jesus. Um, yeah, yeah. You kind of had that experience after the baptism of the Holy Ghost, then you were able to go out and begin to speak boldly about your faith. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty much exactly like that. I don't think I've ever put that together to be like, yeah, it was that experience, but yeah, that's pretty much exactly what it was, yeah. Definitely. And then the third, you said there was three. Do you, what's the third um, experience? Yeah, um, I'm going I'm to try not to name drop for this because I know a lot of people will actually know some of these people. But uh, the third one was in middle school. I wouldn't know if I'd say I wasn't saved anymore, but I definitely kind of backslid a little bit, you know, as young teenagers kind of do, I guess. And I remember my one friend who is – one of those kids who's just shy and timid and scared of anything and won't confront is so scared of confronting me. The fact that he confronted me about how, what I was doing made me have to think about it. Cause I was like, he wouldn't confront me unless it was serious. Right. That's right. So he confronted me and I went outside by myself. Cause I was like, what do I do with this? Right. 
because I've been saved, I've done all this stuff, but this guy can follow me, so I'm doing something wrong, and I just, I was confused, and I didn't know where I was at spiritually or where I needed to be at spiritually or anything. The director of the team came outside while I was outside, and she did not know I was out there. I was on, like, the little playground area, uh-huh. and no one else was out there, like I said. So she took this kid over to the side. I didn't hear everything that they were talking about, but I heard enough. I heard her tell this kid who was bawling, crying and stuff. She could and probably should kick him out of camp. And he was really distraught over it. And I saw her hug him and say, we're not going to do that. And I showed her, I saw a true moment of love and mercy. And I had never seen that before. Not the way that it was shown in that moment. Yeah. And that hit me. And I remember just praying out on the little prayer ground, just saying, God, I want whatever that is. And I'll say from that point on, even though I think I was saving stuff before then, I was a different person at that point, if that makes sense. Yes, no, no I, I understand completely. Like I've, yeah. I've said this many times before. I, I think, you know, we're always working in process um, to get to where God has called us to be. And there's seasons where we have to grow. And um, that's one of those growing moments in your life. Um, to see the love from somebody else that affected you enough to say, hey, I'm not where I need to be. Yeah. For sure. For sure. Yeah. And again, without name dropping, I'm still close friends with them. And oddly enough, her whole family, each member had played a really specific role in my growth with Christ and revealing new things to me about spirit. And that's just amazing families. And it's an amazing ministry, our camping ministry. That's with our church, Church of Our Property, is the mm-hmm. Camp Agape, which we've yeah. talked about a few times on the podcast. Just yeah. a great ministry. Yeah. Yes. Anonymous female camp director is, is great. Yeah, yeah. You know yeah. what I'm talking I love about. Her. I do. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Now, uh, TJ, what about you? Do you remember life before Christ? Uh, I'm going to have to say no. Uh, I, my mom likes to tell me that I was born at Mary Black Hospital. Uh, I only partially believe her. I feel like there's no way I wasn't born in the church. Yeah. Uh, but I've grown up in church. I've grown up at camp. And I just, my earliest memory, I can't even, it comes and goes, you know? Yes. Like, I'll only know it's my earliest memory when it shows up again. But it, it definitely wasn't super early. I don't know what happened. I just know I forgot most of it. Mm-hmm. My earliest memory is probably from like sixth grade, honestly. Super late. But uh, by that point, I had definitely already been to camp and accepted Jesus Christ as my savior. But I didn't really, I didn't really know what that meant. Uh, I just knew that if I did all these things, uh, then that I would be living the way I'm supposed to be living, right? Yeah. Uh, and so I I just did that. I lived the way the church said I should live. And kind of like Joshua, it was at camp later uh, that I realized, you know, what kind of started to pick up on what things mean. Uh, I think I was 12, maybe 13 possibly 14 my my long-term memory is not great (laughs) but probably in that age age range 
when I really, you know, knew what it meant to accept Jesus Christ into my heart yes. and became saved and then sanctified and filled with the Holy Ghost. Uh, so, no, I don't really remember what it was like before. Uh, probably not very eventful. <laughs> no, but, and, I'll, and I'll say this, and I, as, as many people as I've talked to over the last couple of months, and um, there's a lot of people that have gone through that same thing. They grew up in church. They knew who Jesus was, but they also remember that there was that one point, um, as both of you said, that you might have knew who he was. You might know what he stood for, but you, you made that decision or that choice at that one moment in your life, and, and you understood it wasn't just uh, somebody speaking it anymore. It was an actual relationship with you and, and the Father. Yeah. yeah. And, and I think there's a lot of people that need to hear that testimony because there's a lot of people think, well, my testimony is just like that, but um, they, don't, they don't feel like telling that testimony because they're worried that it's not good enough, but people need mm-hmm. to understand that um, there's a lot of people that are in the same boat as them. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Even- because like even my elementary school, relatively similar to me, you know, just good kids doing what kids do. I didn't even realize people, you know, swore for, <laughs> you know, other immoral things till middle school. And then I was like, wow. Yeah. yeah. I mean, people go to church. College. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and like I said, it, it needs to be said that, Knowing Jesus and knowing Jesus are two different things. A lot mm-hmm. of us are familiar with the words of, of the, the Bible, words of church, the going through those things and not saying that we don't love Jesus at that time, but we just don't have that relationship with him until we have that special moment, as both of you have noted, that, right. that understand he's, he's more than just words on a page. He's mm-hmm. a new lifestyle. Yeah. If I can just add a couple things. Um, there's multiple decisions, right? Your testimony isn't just the moment you decided you're going to follow Jesus. It's also all those other decisions. The decision, I want to love, like, the anonymous female camp director, or I want to be in ministry, or I want to be completely dedicated to God in this way, or I'm no longer going to do this thing, right? And I know, um, for me, you know, I don't think my testimony of when I was a kid and I vaguely remember what happened, has really been that useful when I'm ministering to other people. But the ministry, the testimony of all the times I've been tempted with different things that were similar to what other people have been tempted through, or the testimony of the things God brought me through that other people have gone through without God, those are really powerful parts of your testimony as well. That's correct. Also, just because I think this is funny, TJ, if your first memory was in sixth grade, did I meet you before your first memory? possible god i hope so that'd be great it might it might have been fifth grade i just remember being outside at recess really i just want to believe that i've known you longer than you've known yourself (laughs) (laughs) yeah probably (laughs) but also uh just while we're on the subject i think both of our testimonies to me and maybe pastor bobby has other things to think about or say with this but uh are both both show why children's ministry are so important, right? Oh, definitely. What happened to me before I was 15 that's impacted me in ministry and stuck with me. 
Yeah. Those who have a heart for kids ministry, that's, that's a real ministry. Definitely. And, and, you know, we, we see the stats of that too, because usually over the age of 18, if I'm not mistaken, it's anywhere between 75 to 80% of people get saved before the age of 18. Um, and once they get after that, that's when people, that's when thoughts of this world begins to get realer in things. That's the reason why it's so important to have children's ministry, so important to have youth ministry and not just have them and make them as babysitting gloves, but actually mm-hmm. teach the word and teach God in them. And as you said, for those churches that have those type of ministries, I, I give them a hand every single time because I tell them all the time, uh, the reason why a lot of people are today, even back to, I remember the felt boards. I don't know if that was before y'all's time. Or not. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I remember back on those felt boards where, you know, just showing those Bible stories, but people taking time during, to pour into me as I was a child, um, it, it changed my life forever. It put seeds in my heart for when I did make my decision. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. Sure. Uh, so, Bobby, do you remember what your life was like before Jesus Christ? Well, I actually, as like you said, I grew up in mm-hmm. the church. My grandfather's a pastor in the church. Um, I was actually, and a lot of people can't believe this, that our church had got a prophecy. I was one of the the ones that went when we had a, a church in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, which we do not have now. Wow. Um, I was a part of that, and my mom was a big help with that. My dad was a big help with that. Um, and I remember going through that, but it was just a familiar, hey, let's continue to do this thing. It wasn't for me. It was just something that we did on Sunday because that's what we always did. Um, uh-huh. And we moved up to the upstate when um, in 93, and I was around nine, nine years old. And um, when we moved up here, we didn't go to church all the time. And I'll never forget, even through my middle school and high school years, I, feel, I still felt like I was missing something. I've never had uh, a drinking problem, a drug problem, and there's reasons why behind all that. And I've told that story many times to our congregation at Restoration Chapel. Um, but my biggest issue was making people feel worse about themselves so I could feel better about myself. Um, and um, I went through, through life doing that until I went to Anderson University. And the only reason why I went to Anderson University is not because it's a religious school. I followed a girl there, which worked out because I married her. Mm-hmm. We're good. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. But I followed a girl there. Christian college moves. Yes. <laughs> I, I waited till she, uh, co- uh, not committed, but until when she signed her um, financial aid, then I decided, hey, I'll go there too. Yeah. Um, but when I went there, I'll never forget my RA because we had to go to chapel uh, so many times a semester, and I just hated it. Um, and I, I said, I grew up with this stuff, and I didn't want to do anything about it. But um, I, he told me, he said, listen, when you go, just try to get something out of it. And so I started just taking one word and stuff like that. And God began to move in my heart. So I began to go into a local church in Williamson, South Carolina, which is where I'm pastoring now. Um, and Richard Martin, which I know he's friends. With oh, yeah. It's my godfather. Good yeah, guy. Godfather. Yes. He's a spiritual father to me. And Great um, he was preaching a revival and um, him and the senior pastor at that time was Roy Suggs, which has passed away now. He's a good, uh, mm-hmm. one of the best men of God I've ever met in my life. Um, but he, uh, during a revival, um, God began to deal with me and I actually, we actually sat on the front row. It was me and about five of us. Um, and we were trying to get kicked out. Um, if that makes any sense, Uh Um, we were trying to distract the pastor, 
we didn't wear the clothes we were supposed to wear. Um, all this kind of stuff we sent them for a row. And and like I said, y'all know Richard Martin. He don't give up on anything, and nothing's been like him. He's full of the spirit of God. And uh, he was in the middle of his service. I actually grabbed his pants leg as he was preaching and asked him to uh, pray for me. And that day, I gave my life to God. And um, the greatest thing I can say about this is my girlfriend, who is my wife now, she grew up Episcopalian. And um, and y'all, I, I don't know if you know much about the Episcopalian faith. Um, much different than the Church of God of Prophecy faith. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, she, she was there, and she gave her life to God that day. Um, my best friend, who is now our associate pastor at the church, gave his life to God that day. And his wife, at the time was his girlfriend, gave her life to God that day. All wow. four got saved at the same time in a matter of like 10 minutes within each other. And um, I'll never forget Roy, Brother Roy Suggs, the pastor at the church then, and Richard Martin. They just put their arms around us. They loved us. We didn't do everything right. But I tell people all the time, my testimony really starts. And as Josh, uh, Joshua said a while ago, um, after I got saved, a year after I got saved, I started battling depression. Hmm. And, um, uh, that summer, it was my summer year, sophomore year of college. I began to deal with uh, where I couldn't sleep at night. I got to a point where I felt like I was going to die constantly um, to the point where I had moved back home for um, that summer. Um, I kept, a, kept my parents up. I had friends that would stay over the house that would, that would try to keep me calm. I'd wake up screaming, went to the doctor maybe 12 times in a matter of two months, lost about, uh, let's see, it was about 60 pounds, 50 to 60 pounds in a matter of two or three months. I'd stop eating and just battling with depression constantly. And, um, and this is where I thank God for my testimony because my grandmother, who was a pastor's wife in the church, they had already retired, but they were up because they knew what I was going through. One night, about two o'clock, I was having one of these uh, attacks and saying my life was over. And she grabbed a hold of me and she began to pray with me. And as she began to pray with me, um, she looked at me and she said, didn't a year ago you give your life to God? And I said, yeah, I gave my life to God. She began to explain to me that um, no matter what, if you live or if you die, uh, as long as you've, you've given your life to God, believe that he is who he says he is then you will go to heaven. And she says, so stop panicking about dying and start living for him. And, and during that time we were sitting at a kitchen table and um, her and my mom are the only two that can, and myself that can confess to this, but a loud noise happened in our, in our house. Don't know where the noise came from. Don't know, you know what, but it, it came from God. And as soon as that loud noise happened, you could just see a peace that came across me and all the weight was lifted off my shoulders. Um, that night I slept for the first time in two months and, um, and God began to pour into me and begin to serving me in ministries and even got me to the point now that I still have these moments of where depression and the enemy tries to get a hold of me. And, but every time I get back to that, I go to back to what she says and says, Hey, listen, you know, if I, as long as I love God, that if it's time for him to take me away, if it's time for him to take me to heaven, or if he leaves me here on this earth, he still has something in store for me and he has a promise for me. And so that's my testimony. And that's why I think it's so important to love others, love God 
love God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, because you don't know what's gonna, what you're going to be facing tomorrow. You don't know if you're going to be facing coronavirus, murder hornets, um, <laughs> sandstorms. You don't Especially know what you're going to be facing. <laughs> uh, but you do know that our God knows everything that's in control, and he's in control of everything. So keep mm-hmm. your eyes on him. And as you're loving him, love others around you, because he uses others around you to show you how great his love is. And yeah. mm-hmm. uh, wow, that's amazing. Powerful. But also, uh, just to help some of the audience connect the dots, because this is just a fun coincidence. Um, that church in Alexandria that I remember when I was like four or five years old, yeah, I was in children's church and got saved. The pastor of the church, the head pastor, was Brother Richard Martin. Really? To which, when I was a kid, I thought his name was Pastor, <laughs> and I would not call anybody else Pastor until half my life later. Where we're at the church I am now with Pastor Gary, I started calling him Pastor, and then we started calling Brother Martin uh, Pastor Gary's son. I was like, "Well, he's an evangelist now. Call him PE." And that, I was like, oh, "That sounds lame." So we started calling PEP or Pep. <laughs> so uh, Pep, if you're listening to this, we love you. Yep. So glad you're a part of all of our lives in such an impactful way. That was a really, really strong testimony. Uh, for some reason, I remember everyone calling him Jr. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, that. Well, that's he also did by that. It's um, I forgot what the J is. Is it John Richard Martin? I think it is exactly. His grandson's name John, so I think he's named after him. Yeah, that makes sense. But like, I heard it for a long time, and then everyone stopped. Yeah. (laughs) So I thought I made it up. Yeah, no, no, no. It's it's J or brother J R Martin or Pastor Martin or Pep. Yeah, he he goes. He has many names. He's a man of many names. Mm. Yeah. Enigmatic. It's fun though because you know my dad's name is John, and uh, obviously we're very close with our family. So my dad will be like, oh, "No, he's named after me. What do you mean? <laughs> Your grandson's named after me." Yeah. <laughs> fun stuff. Yeah. So now that we told our testimony, um, I also always talked about the callings and where did God call you? To, where did God call you to? And um, I know God has put a big calling on y'all's heart here, especially with the whole church podcast. And to unite the churches, no matter, and try to bring people in to unite churches. So, can you give me your mission statement of your of the podcast? Yeah, it's um, is a really cheesy mission statement, but I think it pretty much sums it up really short. So I, I like it. It's the just that we want to see the whole church whole again. So no, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah nice and simple. Mm-hmm. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Nice and simple. You know, when you hear that, you know what y'all are going for. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you also know the name of the podcast. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> which so, is yeah. super effective. Two things at one time, right? So, yeah. yeah. So what are your goals for the podcast? And, and I know it's to unite the church, but what other goals um, do you see for, for your podcast? Well, there's one thing I, I like to remind myself of. It's something our, our pastor talked to him about last Sunday. It's maintaining unity, right? There isn't creating unity. We don't create unity amongst Christians. In that Ephesians chapter 4, it says um, he's called us to maintain the unity through these things. So if that's, you know, if that's true, would I believe the Bible? So I believe it's true. My question then became, over the years it's become, if that's true, where is the unity, Right. Yeah. Um, Jesus said, you'll know my disciples by this, that they love one another. Well, if that's true, where's the love? You know, and, um, I started asking myself these questions, and that's sort of the goal of our podcast. Find answers to those big questions of, if there's already unity amongst believers, 
which there should be. As we get closer to Christ, we should be closer to one another. Where do we see it? Where don't we see it? And how can we maintain it in such a way that we make it known to the world? Like that's make, that's basically our main goal. Right. Is that when people see the church, when people see Christians, they think, wow, what a close family. Not, wow, those are the people who argue all the time, or those are the people who hate the gays or hate this or hate that. You know, that's and some of those things it's important that we speak out against or speak what the Bible says, right? That's right. But that shouldn't be the first thing someone thinks of when they think of the church. So our goal is to bring the church to a place where when they see the believers of Christ, they say, that's how we know them. They, they're the people who love each other like a freaky amount. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, but I would say, if I may, I'm gonna. Uh, Perfect. <laughs> we, one of our minor goals, if we do have any, is to educate people. Yeah, you know about other religions and or other denominations, really. Yes, and I think that's a big. I, I think that's a big deal because I believe we live in a. A lot of times we live in a bubble, and we think uh-huh. just because we go to this church or this denomination or this place that there's nothing else that is right, and we are completely right. Yeah. Um, and, and sometimes we need to be educated on other. And I love that. That's one of your goals. Yeah. Well, and uh, just to kind of give an example of what TJ's talking about, or maybe he wants to give the example. When we start first started talking to someone from a Catholic church, did um, TJ, did you want to tell them about it, or do you want to yeah. Oh, you go ahead. I have no idea what you're about to say. Okay. One thing, which I, I don't know if we still believed it at the time that we talked to them or not, but, you know, a lot of people believe Catholics worship saints. So we asked them about that, and they're like, that's just not true. <laughs> and I'm like, huh. So a lot of this lack of unity, or, you know, the unity that people don't see, we've come to find a lot, not, not all of it. Sometimes there are churches out there with just wrong beliefs that you have to speak out against and say, hey, listen, find Jesus, right? Yeah. But there are places where you're like, wait a minute. We thought you were doing this. You're not doing that? Then I have to come to say, maybe I've not been united with them under a false pretense, and maybe I need to reobserve that. Which is why that goal of educating people that TJ was talking about is so important. Yes, definitely. And um, so, Joshua, can you tell me what your personal goals, besides just the podcast, your personal callings in ministry, can you tell me where uh, God has called you to? <laughs> See, mine's fun because it's so closely tied with the podcast, I guess. it's. Um, I've had a lot of really specific calls, and I won't bore everybody with everything. I'll, I'll say back at Camp Agape, there was a time that Brother Tim Coulter, who was the state overseer at the time. Yes. He's now the general presbyter. We've had him on the podcast a couple of times. He was preaching about how you know when you're called. And I don't remember what all the numbers were, but he had like seven fingers. He was like, yeah, here's, here's what happens when you get called by God. And I was like, okay, one, all right, yeah, check, two, check. You know, and, and honestly, the more he went on, I was getting nervous. I was like, oh, five, oh, man, what if it's me? I don't want to do this. And he said seven, and I was so upset. I was like, no, he's just wrong. And I was just like, I, I was basically in denial. I was like, and I was trying to come up with reasons why he's not okay. And then just for a second, I thought, because, you know, honestly, God doesn't work by list. But for a second, I thought, well, what if he is right? And I prayed about it. And God was like, yeah, this is what you need to do. You got to preach the word. You got to be in ministry. And I believe God called me to full-time ministry. 
Um, and with that, specifically in the three areas of children's ministry, online ministry, and then um, church unity. That's been a big thing. Even before this podcast, I want to create resources that all churches can use, that Christians can come together and exemplify who Christ made us, right? Yes. So that's, I guess, a short answer, but... Yeah. TJ, how about you? TJ? Hey, TJ, are you there? I had it muted oh. uh, <laughs> on my headset. I was, I was talking. Yeah. I wanted to make sure Jesus didn't come back yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and we missed it Pastor Bob. <laughs> it just got quiet off no uh like I was saying uh that no one could hear uh, <laughs> uh, I don't know if I would say that I have a lot of long-term personal goals uh not in the sense that I think of goals uh, there are a couple of things that I would consider long-term personal wants uh like I would re- I really want to live on Mars uh, and work with NASA or SpaceX. <laughs> but I really wouldn't call those goals. Yeah. Uh, as far as things that I think I have to do, things I think I have to achieve, it would be to impact the people around me in a positive way. Yes. Which is super broad. But it is something I feel like is a goal, is something I need to do, if that's an acceptable answer. No, that's an acceptable answer because I believe that that should be all of our goals to start off with. Um, I've always been told you're not going to be able to reach the world if you can't reach your family or your – and not saying reach them by everybody being saved. But if you can't minister to the ones that are closest to you and imp- impact the ones that are closest to you, then how do you expect God to bless you with the bigger things in your life, the bigger things? And um, I've heard this before. If we can't do the small stuff, then how is God going to allow us to do the big stuff? And so if we would just have that mindset of impacting those that we're around now, um, and then we'd be able to uh, be able to reach those that are closest to us first. Right. Well, that does make me feel better about my goal. <laughs> Josh, are you still with us? Yes, sir. Uh, I just I put it on mute because I wanted you guys to be able to. Oh, no problem. No problem. So yeah, so that's your goal. So now, now that we know the goals of of the whole of the whole church podcast and yourselves always tell people now we have to make a plan of trying to achieve those goals and set ourselves on the right path in the right spot and the right opportunities to achieve those goals. Um, Can you tell me, has there been a plan for those like with the, with the podcast Um, besides just inviting other people, but how you can help unite people through the podcast, but not just through the podcast, but other ways. Yeah. So one thing, you know, at at the end of every episode, we're, we're going to get to it with you, <laughs> but uh, we'd like to ask all of our guests something practical that individuals can do to help better maintain the unity, right? Yes. 
And um, honestly, I think those little things are the most useful things to furthering that calling in that area, right? Um, one guest we had suggested saying the Lord's Prayer at three o'clock together. And that's something I've been doing ever since then for, al- for almost a year now. And when I say the Lord's Prayer at three o'clock, I'm thinking about all the different people who've been on the podcast, all the different churches I've been to, the people I know who are saved. And, you know, obviously, the Lord's Prayer is not that long, so I don't have time to think about everybody. But once a day, you know, I'm saying that prayer, and I'm raising them up to God and their needs in my heart. You know, I might not know what their needs are, but for a couple minutes a day, I mean, it makes me feel more united. So I believe we're more united, you know? Yes. But, uh, there's a lot of just little stuff like that. Um, and I think primarily going, not necessarily going to other churches, but inviting other churches, you know, if you have a big um, potluck dinner, inviting other churches to join you, right? If you live near somewhere and you see that church is doing something, maybe on a day that your church isn't stop in, ask some people some questions. And my big thing is ask questions. Cause the more you learn about other people, the more you find that you're not so different the more you find that it's you're able to be united and able to show that love, right? That's when right. you find out people in your neighborhood go to different churches than you but are believe in Jesus, figure out ways that you can reach them in a meaningful way that shows your love for Christ isn't just your love for Church of God of Prophecy in Rock Hill, right? But it's your love for His Church, capital C. Mm-hmm. That's right. TJ, would you like to add anything to that? Uh, no, I think he, he pretty much covered it. Definitely. I'm impressed. Uh, Bobby, why don't you tell us about your personal calling and your personal goals? Well, as I said, after, um, after I dealt with the things that I dealt with in my life, and uh, I, I went to our, our pastor, like Roy Suggs, and he told me very quickly, you got to get a servant. And I said, okay, let's change the world. And I'll never forget. He says, okay, meet me here on Saturday. And that Saturday I met him there. And what we did is we, uh, we uh, cleaned the church and I thought, Oh my goodness, I thought I was going to go change the world. And, um, and he taught me slowly that serving is more than just going out and ministering to everybody, but you're ministering to the church by doing the small things. And as he began to do that, he began to give me more and more responsibilities. And I felt like we started getting children and, and um, into the church. And so I became a children's pastor for about a year. Then um, we started getting some young adults into the church, um, youth ministry. And so I became a youth minister for about eight, eight or nine years. And, uh, and then uh, as I, towards the end of that, me and my wife had been talking that God was we felt like God was calling us to something else. We loved youth ministry. I mean, we were flourishing in a, in a great, uh, uh, great ministry at Restoration Chapel. We loved it to the point that it was so hard to tell them. But um, our pastor at the time, it wasn't Brother Roy Suggs, but it was Brother Ralph James. He was retiring, and the church asked me to come in and interview uh, about being the pastor of the church. They um, in- interviewed three people, and I was one of them. The other two actually said, before you, um, before you decide on one, make sure you look at Bobby first. And that was from the other people that were interviewing for the church. Um, they seen something also that was a, a calling on mine and my wife's life. And um, since then, we've been the pastor of Restoration Chapel. 
um, which is in Williamston. We've been there, if I'm mistaken, seven years now. And um, God has really blessed us and God has really moved um, in mighty ways. And, it, and we don't have a clue what we're doing half the time, but God, God does. And so we just leave it up to him. Awesome. Very cool. Uh, so you've talked about it a couple of times. Uh, podcast is sort of about it. Uh, but what is the Traveling Stories podcast? As I said earlier, it's going around, and I've got, I got the idea from the most um, un, probably Jesus thing in the world, which sounds really funny, but God used things to do this. Um, one day I was scrolling through Netflix, and I seen um, comedians in cars getting coffee. With Jerry. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you ever watched that or not. Um, but I turned it on. Um, one of the guys that I think so funny was on there, and um, they were having a conversation just about life and about stories that they had gone through in life. And God began to really put that on my heart. And um, I had done some things over the last couple of years at Restoration Chapel where we had some people come in and they just gave their testimony. They didn't preach. They gave their testimony. And it was a very life-changing event because a lot of times we get to the point that we want to put too much scripture in there. Not saying scripture is a bad thing, but people want to know, want to be able to relate to you also. And Mm -hmm. I've always had that point in my heart that sometimes we can read so many scriptures that we feel like we're all holier than now. And we never tell people our story um, to realize that we have gone through the valleys. We have gone through the fires. We've gone through the hard things. And so when these people would come into our church and begin giving their testimony, I I begin to see people's lives change. Then this year, as many of you know, um, as we're recording in 2020, the coronavirus happened. (laughs) The world shut down. And um, I had some, a couple of my young, young people from the church come to me and said, hey, Bobby, um, we, we remember those messages where people came and gave their stories. And while we're not in the church, can you have some more people do that? And I, I began to say, oh, yeah, man, this would be an awesome idea. So I thought, hey, it'll last two or three weeks. And as of the recording of this, I think this is the 16th or 17th person I've interviewed. Um, and, uh, and I've had, we've got them lined up on through, I, I think through September, maybe October. Um, wow. yeah, so God has really blessed and, and really been a part of it. And it's just me getting together with some pastors, some leaders, some friends, and just telling our story. There's no point to it to start off with. It's just telling our story. Yeah. I gotta say, it's a very refreshing podcast for those who haven't listened to it yet. Um, yeah, I've listened to a few episodes, and I've started to where if I know I'm going to listen to a very, like, hard podcast, that makes sense. I listen to a lot of podcasts. If I listen to one that I'm like, oh, this one might be depressing, I, like, queue up Traveling Stories next, because usually they're really inspirational stories about what all other people have been through and where God has brought them. I'm like, that just makes me feel better. Yes, definitely, and that and that was the biggest thing. I, I'm a type of person that there's, there's a lot of um, – real life situations going on right now. And I understand that, but sometimes we need to hear the overcoming stories. And, mm-hmm. um, and a lot of these people, I, I know we've had people on such as Abram Staten, who's a chaplain in the U S army. And uh, you awesome probably, guy. Cool guy. Yeah. We've had him on there and he would just tell how he's been able to minister all around the world. And we also had hard conversations about, you know, race and things um, that he's experienced while he's gone around the world. Um, had people like Alan Rhodes, Pastor Alan Rhodes, who's, who was awesome to tell his story. Eddie Crocker, Pastor Eddie Crocker. Oh, Pepsi. 
Yeah, he's been on. He's, he's such an uplifting guy. Um, we've had not just Church of God of Prophecy people. We have one of my dear friends, and if you get a chance, please listen, Shante Hayward. She goes to Freedom Church in Monk's Corner, South Carolina. Um, she brought an amazing word about worship and how going from one church to a multicultural church, how that changed her, her heart and her mind. Um, and, and it's just been uplifting stories that we've been able to go through and, and really understand that everybody has a story. Everybody has something. Even if it seems like a simple story, God still brought them out of some kind of situation or brought them out of, out of some uh, not knowing him to a place where he changed their life. Um, and, and I know I've thrown a lot out, but there's one guy, Bradley Saxton, that we did. And he was, his story is he grew up on drugs. I mean, to the point where he felt like he had nowhere else to go. His parents had thrown him out. Um, and, and he had been living with guys that were also on drugs. He said he actually woke up one morning and this is when God began to tell him to get out of it. Woke up one morning and he was laying in a, on a carpet that was filled with urine. And he said, God began to tell him, this is not how your life is. And um, he, he's actually, as of today, um, he, God brought him out of that, saved him, and God has blessed him. And at today, as a matter of fact, on August 4th, I don't know when this recording is going to go out, but on August 4th, he is now the owner of a real rehabilitation place that uh, took their first person in today, this morning. And oh, that's awesome. Yes, and God had begun to move in his life and brought him to that point. And so it's amazing to hear these stories and hear where people come from. Wow. Yeah. It's a pretty rude awakening <laughs> on the yeah. bee carpet. Yes, definitely. <laughs> if you get a chance, listen to his, because there's some stories in there where you're just like, really? You went through that, and now that you're <laughs> in love with Jesus – because a lot of people would have gave up on Jesus a long time ago in the situations that he was in, yeah. and God had brought him out of it. It's just amazing, like you said. It's a wake up call for a lot of a lot of people. Yeah. And it was for him too. Well, well you pretty stuff. much destroyed our next question. You knocked it out of the water. Uh, so, Josh, yeah, but uh, yeah, awesome stuff. And I wonder if maybe even through some of these stories, you've gained a wisdom that'll help with the next question. Uh, you know, like I said, we always ask if our guests, if they can think of anything practical that individuals can do to better maintain the unity of all believers. So is there anything you've heard or anything you can think of that you think that, you know, your average Joe or Sally listening to this can be like, Hey, I'm going to do that. And it'll help better maintain unity in the church. Yeah. And I, I believe the first thing is we've got to listen. Um, we're too quick to speak and we're too quick to, uh, to think that everybody should know our way and we need to hear the story of people. Um, and this goes far from just uniting churches. This goes from people that are not even saved yet. You need to hear their story. Stop judging them on what they're, they're living like now and start looking at them and say, Hey, there's a story there. Um, and, it, and it can be a overcoming story if we allow God to use us to work through us. Um, and, and I've said this a lot to our church. We need to stop saying what God can do for us, and but what he can do through us. And so he needs to, when we begin to listen to these stories, then we understand that people have needs, people have faults, and people have are going through hard times. 
but we have a God that can bridge that gap. Ezekiel and I, Ezekiel, if I'm not mistaken, 22 and 30 or 30 and 22, my mind is just crazy right now. But one of those uh, says, um, I look for a man to build a wall and stand in the gap, but there was no man. And I have a feeling that a lot of us as Christians, he's looking for a man to build that wall, but we're not showing the fruit to help build that wall and stand in that gap. Um, and the bridge, the gaps from either denomination, either from saved or not saved, from uh, genders, from all these different things. We need to be standing in the gap for those people um, and, and not because of who we are, but because of who he is. Uh, so what do you think we would see happen in the church if every member of our churches started doing that? We would see churches that are doing what God called them to do to start off with. Um, we would see churches that um, didn't care about the number and care about what's going on inside the walls, but would care about what's going on outside the walls. We would see people for uh, who they are, and that is made in the image of God, made for a purpose to glorify God. And when we begin to do that, we would stop with the hey, I like this color carpet, or hey, I like this type uh, <laughs> of music, or hey, that person dresses different than me. Um, we would stop looking at that and start looking at Jesus, what Jesus did to them, uh, and, and how Jesus changed them just like he changed us. And when we begin to understand that we are all adopted into Christ, that we are all children of God, then that's when we begin to unite together and stand in the gap for one another. Um, we don't let our political views get in the way. We don't let our preference get in the way, but we let his presence take over. Amen. Mm -hmm. Amen. Right. So you have one more question you said you always like to ask at the end of your podcast. Isn't that right, Pastor Bobby? That's correct. Yes. Every time we end our podcast, because I want to see as um, our mission statement at Restoration Chapel is to reflect Jesus to the lost and found for restoration in Christ. Good. And Good. Um, when you begin to see people restored, that's amazing. But I think we as a church, we drop the ball a lot of times when we see people restored because we're like, yay, you've been saved. And then we don't help them. Out. And as you as both of you said, you know, life still gets tough, even when you've given your life to Jesus. So I'll ask, and I'll start off with Joshua. We always ask this question. If you just prayed for somebody, you were out in the community, you were at your church, or a child that you just prayed with, you prayed with them, and they're, now they're going to ask you, what's next? Um, what would you tell the, that newborn Christian? What would you tell that person that had just given their life to God, that next step in their life? Man, I'm going to try not to go on too much of a rant, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's like when you get married. Yeah, I'm recently married, so this is just kind of on my mind, I guess. And all of a sudden, you have a whole new family, right? And you get to meet all of them and know all of them, and it's all different. And sometimes it's even overwhelming, right? There's all these different people who are now your family. And it's a lot like that. And that's what it needs to be. You need to get to know all of your new family. Right. And, um, and I'll say a lot of people, you know, people who've been around church people have heard of church people. 
they take this for granted, right? Like they, we just hear brother so-and-so and sister so-and-so so much that we almost lose the meaning of it. In the Bible, where it first came from, was Jesus's mother and his brothers and siblings were looking for him. And someone told him that. And he went, okay, but who's my mom? Who are my siblings? Except for people right here, right now, doing the will of God. Right. His siblings were actually looking for him, like his blood relatives. And Jesus said, no, no, the people right here, they're my relatives, equal to my blood. So when you're saved, all of those people around you, your church, that's equal to your relatives. That's your new family. So, and you know, um, last Sunday, my our pastor preached and he said, you can't have church unity if people aren't saved, if people don't believe the word of God, because then they're not really part of the church, right? And I'll, I'm going to add on to that. I'll, I'll say it works the other way too. You can't have salvation and not have unity. Right. Go through the Bible. You don't see a God who says, here's your personal savior. You see a God who says, I gave my son for the world. You see a God who said, go be fruitful, multiply, and take care of the world. You see a God who says, I saved you into a church. I adopted you as family. You see a God who says, you are now one, one church, one body. You know, um, a lot of times people go through the Bible, and I think a lot of people mistake God's call for leadership for a faith of solidarity. You know, you look at um, David and Goliath. That wasn't a story of one man's faith. That was a story of God saying, hey, you do this. And then after he did that, all of the people of Israel rose up against the Philistines. It was a story of the people, not of one man. It was a leader and the people. It was a story of um, Elijah when he goes up and he preaches that word, right, to all of There's like 300 prophets of Baal or something. Pastor Bobby might be able to correct me on that. But uh, there's a lot of prophets of Baal, basically, right? And they're having a competition of who's God's real. They're praying for Baal to bring down this fire for days, and they're cutting themselves. Nothing happens, right? And Elijah soaks it in water, prays, God consumes it. And we often leave the story there, but that's not the end of the story. That man showed faith and then got depressed thinking he was alone. That's right. And what happened? God said he sent him somewhere. And where God sent him was to a place filled with other believers and other men of God who were doing the same things. And God said, you are not alone. This is not a faith of solidarity. This is a faith of the whole church, the whole community. And um, that's what I would tell them. Get to know your family. You know, you had um, Bishop Jeff White on said, you know, go get someone to mentor you. Yeah, find your mothers, find your fathers in the faith. Go find your brothers, find your sisters. Become part of the family and plug in. Because, you know, think about family is they will not leave you alone. That's right. So get to know them. Find Jeff White, if possible. Yeah. That would be yeah. ideal. Yeah. Advice. Or Brother Martin. <laughs> <laughs> TJ, would you, uh, what would you say? Uh, so the first thing I would tell a newborn Christian is to not worry about what other people think of you. And it's it's probably the first piece of advice mm-hmm. I would give to most people. Yes. And that that's it. it. It's just so important to not concern yourself with what other people think about you, it, specifically your walk with Christ. Mm-hmm. Just yes, focus on yourself. I, I think that's so, I mean, um, I, I don't want to get real spiritual here, but I think about uh, uh, Rafiki. And the Lion King. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Oh man, talk about Lion King. I might start speaking and telling this is too much. Yeah. (laughs) But you think about like Simba, he worried so much about what they would think of him um, because Mm. Scar said that he would, that that basically he killed his father. And so so he told him to run. And I think a lot of us are so afraid to be going to to live a life for Jesus because we're afraid that people are going to look at our past and judge Mm -hmm. us from the past. Um, and we have to get to the point, I think Rafiki said, the past is in the past and there's nothing you can do about it. Um, uh-huh. and, and, and I think that's the reason why we see so many people fail at this walk with God is because they start listening to the other noise of other people that want to make them feel bad about themselves so they can feel better about themselves that they run from God. And I totally agree with you, TJ, about, you know, it's great. Like you said, Joshua, we need to get with a family, get with a circle that we know is going to be uplifting and that's going to tell us when we're doing wrong and tell us when we're doing right, celebrate the good and help discipline in the bad. But we also need to understand that not everybody's for you. Uh So they're going to, they're going to judge you and bring up things in your life that you're not good at yet. Um, when you, if you wear the same shirt every single day, there's going to be a time that it's going to have holes in it. It's going to have all these things in it. But when you change shirts, you want to go back to that old shirt because it's comfortable. And there are many people that have given their life to Jesus and they want to go back to the old ways because they're familiar with it and they're comfortable. And what we like to do most of the times as Christian is tell them, yeah, you're going to be that way you used to be. And we have to get to the point where we don't listen to those noises outside. Right. So is that what you would say? What well, would you say? say? And if somebody asked me this the other day, you asked this to everybody, <laughs> what would you say? And, um, and I told them the other day, the first thing is this. I would say, congratulations, you made the best decision of your life. Mm-hmm. The second thing I would let them know is, and I've heard the relationship. I've heard, you know, don't listen. I, I love what uh, Chris Galloway said. Okay. I know he's a friend of your, the podcast also. Um, and, uh, yeah, he's a great guy. I love what he said. He says, you have to get close to Jesus. And I asked him what he meant by that. And he says, you've also got to make a point that not everybody else, because not everybody else is going to keep pushing you, but you have to have a mindset that I am going to get close to Jesus. So get into your word. Get into prayer, continue to learn, continue to have that mindset. And I've noticed in this time that we're in um, where uh, we've had to do church different. We've had to do uh, ministry different. We haven't been able to be with everybody at every single time that we'd want to be. We can call them and talk to them, but it's not that one-on-one face-to-face contact that we have to make a decision to ourselves that, hey, we are in this for the long haul. And I would love to, and I tell people this all the time, it's going to be your choice. You, you've got to make the choice to do these things because there can be a lot of people around you that help push you, but you, there's going to be a time where you're going to have to say, hey, I'm going to do this. I, I'm going to live for God. So I tell people all the time, make sure when you make that choice to give your life to God that you're making a commitment and a sacrifice to give everything to him. Yeah. Could you imagine, you know, just, uh, I love that answer to expound upon what, you know, what I said, you know, it's like when you get married, right? That's right. 
I, I still agree with all the family stuff, but could you imagine you get married and you're like, all right, I did it. That's right. <laughs> no, no more effort being put towards that. Check. <laughs> no, that's, 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 that's pretty much how it worked until like, you know, 40 years ago, isn't it? Yeah, I guess. <laughs> but, you know, right now, you know, I just got married. <laughs> I absolutely could not, nor would I want to. Just be like, all right, I married Tiffany. Check that off the list and go do something else now. You know, <laughs> we live together, we grow together, we get to know each other more and more and more, especially because, you know, we got married and immediately went into quarantine. So. Yes, definitely. Yeah, we, we grew quick. But yeah, that's you, a, have the, answer. you have the best marriage counseling there is, I tell you. It's <laughs> <laughs> perfect. But yes, no, you know, and, and like you said, it's just like somebody saying, okay, I'm going on a diet. And on day one, they go on the diet. And then on day two, they said, okay, I did that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, yeah, you made the decision, but now you have to stick to that decision and make sure you're truly giving all to that decision and yeah. sacrificing. And there's going to be days it's going to be hard. And that's where the relationships come in. There's going to be days where people are going to talk. So don't listen to them. That's where that mindset comes from. But even in those times, you've got to have that, that go-to to say, hey, I'm going to live for God. And I've come to find out when you're in the presence of God, that decision is a lot easier than when you're outside of the presence of God. Yeah. Now, and just to you know, make a callback to kind of earlier on in the podcast, you know, we talked about salvation. It's not just a past tense. It's not you were saved. You were saved, and he's still working on you, right? That's right. And you know, that, that doesn't just work for your testimony. It doesn't just say, okay, well, my testimony is bad. That works with, you know, being saved. You were saved. God's still got a lot more to go. <laughs> like, you got to get closer. You got to get close to your family. You got, you got a lot of work to do. That might be a good first thing to tell them. You got a lot of work to do. <laughs> yes. And, you know, I, I had one uh, little kid come and tell me. He said, why do we sing the song, He's Still Working On Me? And I tell him because he is still working on me. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> and so I, I wish we could add that to our worship playlist. Because I think a lot of Christians need to understand that God is still working on us. Um, yeah. And, and uh, you know, it's such a simple and easy song, but it's such a truth that God continues to work on us, no matter if we've been saved a day or if we've been saved 40, 50, 60, 70 years. God is still working on us, and we got to make that decision to let Him work on us.